Hey everybody. Hey Cat Jeff. I'm excited to bring you this conversation with now published author Ellen Bush. This is essentially part two of a conversation we had back in June of 2021. And I think it's a great story, a great conversation. And Ellen takes me through her journey of healing from past abuse by writing this memoir, uh, facing vulnerability and fears about that. And also finding purpose and helping others. <clears throat> and there were two cool things that happened during this conversation. One was the feeling that Ellen had when she basically finished the editing and writing process. And the second is that there's really no expectation when it comes to healing and the timeline you have to separate yourself from that. I just thought it was a great conversation. I was so excited to sit down with Ellen again and take a look at her website, which is ellenbush.com. That's E-L-L-E-N-B-U-S-C-H.com. And if you're driving, don't worry about it. I'll put it in the show notes. Uh, we recorded this back in September, so obviously the book signings have uh, long since passed, but the uh, book is worth taking a look at. And uh, again, just really enjoyed sitting down with Ellen again. And I hope you do too. Thanks for listening. I don't know how I'm making this up as I go. What are your qualifications? Ah, well, I attended Juilliard. I'm a graduate of the Harvard Business School. I travel quite extensively. I have people skills. I am good at dealing with people. You just don't know when to give up, do you? I need to do this all day. The Matt Sodnicker Podcast. <laughs> yeah, anytime anybody says trust, I'm like, here, please sign on the dotted line. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's a good point. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, uh, cool. Well, we're rolling. So, um, okay. I wanted to start just by asking about your writing process because. Okay. One of the reasons I'm doing a podcast is that I had started a blog six, seven, eight, ten years ago, and it was so hard to write. I wrote mm -hmm. probably two posts, and I just couldn't do it. So I'm easier at thinking and speaking, mm -hmm. but take me through how it went from an idea to actually what we have published here in front of us. Sure. So when my mom passed away... Um, you know, it was just an incredible, shocking and traumatizing event. And how long ago was this? That was 2013. Okay. I knew at that point I had a powerful story to tell. Because just a few months earlier, I had um, escaped from my ex-husband, or soon-to-be ex-husband. So this was all in the same year. Oh, wow. Yeah, so... It was actually January 23rd of 2013 that I got out. And then my mom had her accident on December 6, 2013. So here I am trying to put my life together and I'm starting to do that. And I have this incredible traumatic tragedy, family tragedy. And we talked about that on the first episode, right? Yeah. That was the letter we read from yes. the organ donor yeah. or recipient, I guess. Yes, yeah. 
Um, and I've written about it in the book in quite detail. There's a whole chapter dedicated to that. For obvious reasons, it's a very important event. Um, and at that point, I started writing, and I was just kind of letting ideas and parts of my story just kind of spew out onto the computer screen. And then I realized I needed some help. And I went and found a writing coach. And um, working with her was fantastic. Her name is Kate Gray. And she's recently retired, so to all you prospective writers out there, she's no longer <laughs> available. <laughs> uh, but I could always ask for referrals. Um, and she helped me just focus on certain ideas and certain stories or parts of my stories uh, and help me to just get them onto the paper or onto the computer. And then we would start to move them around and weave them together. At the same time, keeping to in mind that there needed to be an arc of the entire story moving together. So we would weave stories around or weave them together from different parts of life, but something that had a common theme. You know, an example would be all the time I spent fishing with my dad growing up, we were on the water, we were on the ocean. And I weave that together with my stories from Outward Bound because I spent two weeks on the Green River. So the common theme was being on the water. And that's really hard to do. <laughs> so I needed the help of a coach. And I thank God for her because it wouldn't have been anywhere near as good as it is. And she really worked with me to get out of the linear thought process. Talk to me more about that because yeah. I've <clears throat> read some books that are both from, I would say, self-published or mm -hmm. yeah, just people getting started or other books from more famous people that I just, it, it felt um, like a PowerPoint presentation. Mm -hmm. So the linearness, if that's a word. It is now. <laughs> <laughs> Trademark. Yeah. Um, um, what were some of the, I guess, actual practical tips that she had talked about? You know, my instinct was to go to the linear thought process. That's very logical. Sure. You start when you're young and then you tell your life story as you age and move through life. And she had to hound me quite a bit in a professional, nice way um, to really get me out of the thought process. And there are some people who think that that is okay or that that's a writing style or a way of telling the story. But what she conveyed to me was that it would be much more interesting by weaving these stories together from different points in life. Oh, I couldn't agree more. Yeah. yeah. I mean, how many of us watch a movie um, or a Netflix series where they bounce around in time? Right. And those are the really interesting stories. And once I saw and really understood what she was trying to convey to me, I agreed with her 100%. And then we just focused on that. But here's an interesting story, is once I got to completing the first draft of the manuscript, the next step is to move into the editing process. And I went to an editor who basically told me I should do it in a linear fashion. <laughs> <laughs> you want to see me panic? <laughs> that made me panic. 
Um, How long was it to get to the editor? What was the duration? It of was the... a good five years. Oh, wow. It took okay. me a long time. Now, I had a lot of life happen in that time frame. And I think it was really meant to be because when I started writing and what I ended up living and adding to the book was really important. I hadn't lived all the chapters yet, so I had to do that. Um, that was just the universe at work, from my perspective. <laughs> um, and then, you know, I really thought about it and really sat there and read through and listened to the editor's comments. And then I said, no, this is, this is good the way it is, and I'm really happy with it. And then once I found my publisher, I started to work with her and her editor, and they were on the same page as me. So sometimes it's just a matter of opinion or writing style. Sure. Yeah. Yeah, I think about that too. One of the books I was that had just popped into my head, I found at a uh, little free library down on Tennyson, and it was Artie Lang. He's a comedian. His his biography, okay. <clears throat> and it's linear, mm-hmm. and it it I just stopped reading it because you know maybe it's the style or something. Nothing against him, but right. I wanted to get to sort of the like the Hollywood parts mm-hmm. of it, mm-hmm. and. Yeah, like I, I think having a, a, you know, a roundabout way, just weaving that in, at least for me, it's way more interesting. But um, the editor part, you know, that's the thing is it's so subjective. It is. And I was thinking that, you know, I couldn't be a country music reviewer because I hate it all. <laughs> it's not your genre. <laughs> it's not. So yeah. I come in biased and I wouldn't know right. what's good or what's different. Right. And so... Um, that's something else I'd love to talk about. So the editor has a conflicting view mm-hmm. of your artistic and your writing coaches, basically the whole work. Yeah. So what was that decision point like to continue on? Well, at that point, I, did, I stopped working with that editor. <laughs> <laughs> Problem solved. <laughs> One way to look at it. And I had found my publisher. And I had... And Now, do we want to jump into the different kinds of publishing and what different options are? Because I did not go the traditional publishing route. Yeah, sure. And I did not go the the self-publishing route because I knew I didn't know enough about the industry and I knew I needed help. Yeah. That's This is your show. You can talk about whatever you want. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) Well, thank you for that. Uh, Well... So what I found was uh, Jessica Buchanan, who has an absolutely incredible story of her own. And she started a publishing company to raise up women's voices. And I thought, oh my gosh, that's who I want to talk to. And I'll just briefly give you an overview but, um, of her story. Most Americans know who she is because, did you and I talk? I don't think we even talked about this yet. Um, I don't think we did. Okay. Um, Jessica was an aid worker in Somalia, and she was uh, kidnapped and by, I don't know, remember the, da- the name of the group, but it was a terrorist group, and she was held for day- 93 days, hmm. and on day 94, President Obama sent in SEAL Team 6, guns a-blazing, and they got her out, her and another man, 
um, they got them out alive. She survived. And she has her own incredible story. She wrote um, Impossible Odds, which is a New York Times bestseller. And it just chronicles her story of being a kidnapper, kidnapped and surviving and making it home. She started this company and it's I would what we would call a hybrid publisher. So it's not a traditional publishing house and it's not a self-publishing, it's actually in the middle. And to get a book published in the traditional process, you really have to be somebody famous like Jessica. Okay. It's really incredibly difficult. Um, I had talked with my coach about possibly going down that road, and she was telling me that I would need to do a book proposal that had to be 75 to 100 pages long, and then you have to get a book agent, and they go around and they pitch you to the different houses, and it could take it can take years. I just knew I wasn't interested in that <laughs> that process so, or that challenge. Um, and Jessica's whole context around raising up women's voices, um, you know, when she and I met, I immediately knew that she was the person I wanted to work with. And it has been wonderful working with her. Um, and also her editor and her marketing person. So I ended up where I was supposed to be. That's good. Yeah. That's kind of usually how it happens, though, yeah. isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> if you're on the right path. Yeah. Yeah. Or you'll find out pretty quick that you're not. That you're not. <clears throat> and hopefully you listen to that. Yeah. So let's start jumping into the content a little sure. bit. Um, and I encourage people if maybe hit pause and go back and listen to uh, the first episode that Ellen and I did to talk about sort of the backstory for this. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but was there story or stories that gave you pause or concern about putting those in the book? Oh, yes, quite a bit. Um, the chapter where I talk about two of the most influential men in my life. Um, one was positive, and he was very important to me. Um, and the other was my ex-husband who was psychologically and in one case physically abusive. I had many concerns. Um, you know, how much do I want to reveal? Mm -hmm. you know, I'm really putting myself out there. I shared some very romantic moments with my college boyfriend who was the positive influence on me. Um, and they were deeply personal, but I really wanted the book to be authentic. And I knew unless I went that deep, it wasn't going to come across as authentic. So I've also masked his identity. So I had to make certain things very vague. He was also in the military, specifically the Marine Corps. So I actually spoke with um, Jessica, my publisher, has a attorney that she works with. So we talked about making sure that I wasn't going down the road of possibly getting into some security issues. Mm. So I, not that I would even know much, anything, but it's sometimes 
you know, and you come from a military family, so sometimes just knowing when somebody deploys, you can sometimes bump bump against things and not even know it. Sure. So I just wanted to be super careful and make sure that I had that taken care of properly and legally. Um, so I was confident in that. And then, you know, I, I talked about some very specific incidents of how my ex-husband treated me and the night that he assaulted me. One of the coaches I've worked with, who's an amazing coach, um, his name is Dennis Stoika, and he's recently retired from the FBI. And I worked with him, and he reviewed those chapters with me, looking at it from a law enforcement perspective. So I felt much better having his input and then also having a lawyer's input and then also having you know, the emotional support from a law enforcement officer to say, officer to say, you know, maybe you don't want to go there, or yeah, you know what, that's really okay, and maybe other women hearing that story is really going to be helpful, or hearing that detail. And the whole context of the book is to help people. Right. So, does that answer your question? It does. Okay. It does, and I asked it for a couple of reasons because. I think in today's culture where Instagram is all highlight reels. Oh, yeah. And Mm -hmm. most people's lives are messy and backstage and Mm -hmm. the the struggle and the challenge and things Mm -hmm. like that. And also being a, I don't know if the right term is a visceral learner, but when I was in school, I would have the the theory and the problem I'd have to do in the homework, but I would actually have to ha- run through it. Mm-hmm. And so mm-hmm. if I'm trying to learn something and it's quite ambiguous mm-hmm. and if it's, you know, s- just to paraphrase, like if you said, oh, the relationship was pretty rough. Right. Okay. Yeah. That doesn't tell you a lot. <laughs> no. Yeah. No. And not, but also then just being graphic for the sake of, not shock value, but um, there's a there's a, a line and a, a degree of context in there. And mm-hmm. so I was just curious about that because, and then also yeah. too, the thought that popped into my head is that a friend of mine, she said that you know, one of her friends goes to therapy mm-hmm. and she just lies to her therapist about... <laughs> Why is she even going? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Why spend the money? Why waste the time? Yeah. But once it goes on the printed page or Mm -hmm. this recording or whatever, you know, that's, I think that's something I've challenged myself to do is just to speak the truth Mm -hmm. or don't say it. So that's why I was very curious about that, that approach. And and they're, they're great questions because that was something I worked a lot with my coach on Kate she would say, okay, that's what you did or that's what you saw, but Ellen, I want to know how you felt. Yeah, because that takes it from a PowerPoint presentation and a linear... To authentic. Yeah, so rather than bullet points, because mm-hmm. I think you need both for a compelling story. You do. Yeah. You do. So she would help me to understand where there were places I needed to compress information, and especially around the feeling pieces of it. Mm that's where she would want me to expand. 
and we went through every chapter, every paragraph, every page with that context in mind. And I'm incredibly pleased with what came out. At the same time, as I'm moving through the editing process, I definitely moved through a months of fear and just really kept asking myself, do I really want to put out such a deeply, deeply personal story to the world? Because I have made myself incredibly vulnerable. But it is authentic. It is real. And So how did you answer that question? I got a lot of support from some pretty amazing friends who were helping me through the process. Um, I've worked with a lot of other writers. In the book, I do talk about other writers and other people that I've met. And when you go through that process, you have to get permission to quote them. You have to get permission to use their name. Mm. And I wanted to make sure what I wrote about them was accurate. It's got to be right. So there was a lot of interaction and going back with several of these people. So I got to work with them and they were very supportive in that process. Uh, I would say at least three or four other writers. I think the fear process was just a process to move through. I just needed to get comfortable with putting my story out there and knowing that it would never be pulled back. And I did. And I reread it and edited and reread and reread <laughs> and reread. <laughs> the editing process alone took about a year. So. And so that decision to publish, was it a quiet moment? Do you kind of remember when you pushed the button, so to speak? Yes. And I'm going to answer that with two separate answers. So the whole reason for diving into the writing project is that this is my hero's journey. And anybody who's familiar with Joseph Campbell and the hero's journey knows that the last part of the hero's journey is for them to bring what they've learned back to their tribe. And that's after they've taken on the challenge and fought the dragons and they've won their battle. That's the last piece. And I really felt deeply compelled to do that because what I have learned is so valuable and I want to share it with people who need it. So there's that piece of it. And then tell me again, tell me again the question. I've, I'm not remembering it completely. <laughs> <laughs> That's my dyslexic mind. Uh, oh. oh. Moving through the fear. Uh the decision point if yes. you remembered if it was yeah. just a quiet moment um it wasn't a quiet moment it was just a process but or i should say and when we got to the final version and it was done it was complete i sent it to jessica and then she sent it off to merrick publishing who does the physical publishing and I sat there after hitting send and then she turned around and she forwarded it off to Merrick and she let me know that that was complete and said congratulations. And I sat there and I was in shock. And I couldn't understand why I was in shock. What were you feeling? That I, could, I didn't understand what I was feeling. Oh. 
And she kept, she emailed me back. She's like, Ellen, how are you doing? She's very supportive emotionally, which is what writers need. <laughs> they need that from their publishers and editors. And I said, I don't know. I don't understand what I'm feeling. And the only thing I could compare it to was the shock that I felt when my mom died. And I was like, wait a minute, that doesn't make sense. And I gave myself some time to process it. And it took about two weeks. And then I was sitting there with this manuscript in front of me. And I realized I had chapter upon chapter upon chapter of just unrelentless, working through unbelievable challenges, people abusing me, and my never quitting and giving up on myself. I had 230 pages of that. And then I realized, and I sent Jess back a two-word email, and I said, I won. I beat the system that tried yeah, to put you did. me down. <laughs> I, I beat them. I beat the system. <clears throat> I beat, um, you know, the abusers, the bullies. I beat them all. I won, and I healed. And I realized also that I fought for 47 years for my self-esteem and self-worth. And I won. And I never, ever gave up on myself. And that is an incredible accomplishment. Most people never get there. And from that point forward, life looks very different. That's big. (laughs) (laughs) That's huge. Yeah. So just to give a little bit of background, you know, the reason I use that number 47 years is uh, I'm 54. And I was six or seven years old when I was slapped with that dyslexic label and Mm -hmm. intellectually disabled and all of that mess. So, but from that point forward, I fought for myself until that book, until my book went out to the publisher to be physically published. So that's how I put parentheses around it, if you will. Your question was such a wonderful surprise because... Um, well, I got to back up. So when you asked me like what the question was, I don't know if you saw the look of panic in my face. Mm. It's like, I'm so present. That I'm like, <laughs> I, know. I thought you would remember <laughs> what I was talking about. Well, we worked it out. So yeah. Um, but the where I was somewhat expecting, and I never try to guess an answer when I ask a question, was if it was the if the hero's journey was complete mm-hmm. and if you felt not only a great sense of accomplishment, but mm-hmm. also an emptiness uh, for the, the now what, Mm-mm. but your, your, your answer was so incredible and compelling and just the persistence and the resilience, which yeah. is, these are topics I've been exploring for years. Mm-hmm. Um, that's the only answer you could have responded back to her with. Right. One of the things I have learned is that a life that's really well lived is not just one hero's journey. Mm -hmm. You go and find the next one. Yeah. And that's where I am. And it's interesting. The other thing I've learned, or one of the other things I've learned, is that I am so focused on my self-exploration, personal growth, healing, 
that I have moved into this cycle of consistent challenge, growth, transformation, rinse and repeat. And it's exciting. And it's a little bit scary because there's always the unknowns out there. But you learn to live with that. The unknowns are going to visit you whether you want them to or not. Yeah, whether so. you're doing the work or you're not doing the work, the unknowns are going to show up. <laughs> <laughs> so I might as well do the work and get some of the rewards with the unknowns. Oh, exactly. So, At least yeah. have a little bit of a uh, hand on the steering wheel about your unknowns. Exactly. Um, so. The healing, I really wanted to talk about that. Yeah. Because... Uh, it's so important. Yeah. Having been through... Um, like. I don't ever want to uh, stack, like trauma stack or trauma compare. Everybody's been through everything. Right. Um, right. But talk to me about the healing and mm-hmm. those steps and those that journey. I'd be fascinated about that. Sure. So I think the first thing to talk about when it comes to healing is... Um, I think the biggest barrier to healing is shame. Brene Brown does research on this, and most people know who she is. Um, Josh Montz, who wrote Beauty of the Darker Soul, who I've seen speak twice, um, writes about this as well. Shame stops a lot of people from getting the help that they need. It is destructive, and in some cases, I think people are dying because of it. Sure. I don't doubt that one bit. Yeah. And the reason I start out with that is because I made a very conscious decision to refuse to be ashamed. I just said, I'm not doing it. Because I knew when I got away from my ex-husband that I was in deep trouble. I was so traumatized, I was driving through stop signs and red lights. And I knew I needed help. And I knew that if I... Because you were unaware or on purpose? Because I was... When I would drive through a stop sign, I would just, oh my gosh, what, oh. what, 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 I'm a mess if I just, and I was, it was, it was happening more than once, you know, it was happening on a regular basis. Instinctively, I knew that if I didn't take a long, hard look at myself, I was going to repeat these mistakes again. And I was lucky to survive the first time. And if I repeated these mistakes, I might not survive the next time. And I wasn't willing to do that. So I was willing to do whatever it took. So I initially started out working with a therapist. Um, Had some stumbles there, didn't find the right therapist right away. Uh, Went to work with an amazing life coach who really kind of launched me in that direction of being able to create my life and the forward-looking piece of it because I don't think a lot of people understand that working with a therapist tends to be backwards looking working with a coach is forward looking Mm. so it's a different context and there were times where I was working with a therapist at the same time that I was working with a coach and I did a lot of EMDR work I've done probably five years of intense EMDR work, which for me is incredibly effective. And I'm surprised at how fast it works. I mean, one topic, 
a few minutes with with the therapist and I will also say make sure you work with somebody who's credentialed and trained in EMDR credentials 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 <laughs> there's a lot of crackpots out there so be very careful who you choose to work with um, it's it was so effective with B it would be just almost instantaneous I would that piece would be healed now I'm talking small pieces sure um, where did you start if you don't mind me asking with sure. the therapist and the EMDR I was still living on the East Coast okay and I found a specialist or somebody who was certified um, in EMDR I've also done acupuncture um, I think that you have to find the thing that works for you because whatever resonates with you may not resonate with me and it may also be a matter of timing so just because EMDR may have not resonated with me 10 years ago or 15 years ago fast forward a few years it resonated with me then and the same thing with talk therapy and working with a coach and acupuncture or whatever modality that you choose I think it's just a constant unfolding or experimentation of finding what works and just exploring that and not having any attachment and just say you know what let's give this a try and see if it works and if I feel better I'm gonna keep doing that <laughs> be a blank page yeah be a blank page and then if it stops improving my life well then I'm gonna walk away from it but I can come back to it in a couple of years and say well maybe it's time to try that again so a lot of just really open-mindedness and also a real commitment to heal a real consistent effort to say I'm gonna do this I'm and I took it on the same way I took on fighting through the school system I wasn't gonna quit on myself and just kept working and finding different things that would work well I think the there's a power in the humility of here I'll hit pause yeah. I need to grab so I wrote down humility because I think reaching out to a coach mm-hmm. and I heard a lot of childlike mind and blank page yep. with the therapy and what was working because one of the things I realized very early on in my second half of my life was that oh I'm not supposed to have all the answers here mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. so try something and it it aligns with like scientific progress it aligns with entrepreneurship basically anything where we don't have the answers and so try something and if it works great if mm-hmm. not try something else adapt right. and so I just I wanted to point out that I think there was just great power in your humility in approaching this yeah. because the the arrogance of either thinking you know what's going on or pretending you know what's going on mm-hmm. when you obviously don't that's where you get into trouble and I approach things from the explorer archetype. And if it's an experiment, there's no fail. 
That's right, because there's no predefined outcome. Right. It's just an experiment and see what happens. Mm-hmm. And if it works, well, then let's try that again. <laughs> maybe yeah. we'll have to tweak it a little bit, but that's okay. Or maybe we need to tweak it a little bit to get it, get us moving in the direction that we really need to be going. In. Yeah. So I think looking at it from that perspective takes a lot of pressure off. A lot of pressure. Right, because there should not be any fear of failure. Right. Especially when it comes to healing. Right. You know, and that can be problematic because there may be people around you who will have expectations about your healing and your healing time frame and what it should look like <laughs> and who you should be talking to. By next Thursday. Exactly. Needs you to be done. You know, or it's been so many years. You really should be done with this. Or, And I've heard people talk about that in their experience. But, um, you know, your healing process is going to be your healing process. And nobody can tell you what that should look like. Unless you have a therapist who's telling you, a credentialed therapist who's telling you that there's something seriously wrong. That's a different scenario. Yeah. Yeah. Right. So going back to your ex-husband, how have your, or have you had romantic relationships since the the book journey has started and how have those been different or what have you been hmm. like take me through that because yeah. that I could imagine that could be uh, I don't know if triggering is the right word but facing yeah. those circumstances again it's a great question you know for a long time I just didn't want to date I didn't want to date anyone have anything to do with anybody and in the interim, there was a, the ex-boyfriend. I don't want to give away too much about the book. But the college <laughs> boyfriend and I, I will put a little teaser out there. College boyfriend and I, the Marine, he and I reconnected actually for about a year. And the reason why that happened was because I trusted him. Mm. And I reached out to him for help and support. I didn't know that that reconnection was going to go down that road. I was just looking to talk to a friend who I trusted. Um, it ended up, well, I won't tell anybody. Well, obviously it didn't work out because otherwise I'd still be with him. <laughs> and that's okay. Uh, again, another part of the healing journey. Um, you know, and then moved into just after, after that, I just really focused on taking care of my dad. Because the time be- when my mom died, he needed... He needed somebody to look after him. He didn't need, you know, specific clinical care. He took care of himself. He drove. He had friends. He had a better social life than I had. <laughs> he had women chasing him. My mom always said it was so funny. She said, if something happens to me, the women are just going to be flocking to him. And she was right. <laughs> it was really funny. So... Um, and these were just friendships. They weren't romantic relationships. So I focused a lot of just taking care of him. Um, and then he passed away and I moved out here and continuing to work with uh, a new counselor being here in Colorado. I've done some dating um, and then kind of walked away from it for a little while. <laughs> the dog out of the table is dreaming. <laughs> is that what that is? Hey, bud, wake up. <laughs> there you go. 
It's okay. Casey can be part of the recording. <laughs> Casey's top, part of the top podcast. quality production here. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> oh my gosh. So, um, you know, and that's something I've talked with with a counselor, and I'm just getting back out there now, and just you know, just dating and seeing what's happening, and again, approaching it with the same context of sure. Let's just see what happens. So, but so far, I haven't met anybody who's really caught my interest. So. Well, you will on the book tour, I bet. Yeah. <laughs> well, you know, that's something I've thought of, you know, because I'm really putting myself out there. I'm like, hmm, I wonder what's going to show up. You never know. So, again, not attached. Just want to see what happens. Just be open to possibilities, yeah, for sure. Yeah, exactly. <clears throat> exactly. So, yeah. So would you do the book again, looking back on it? Or do you have another one in you? Yes, I would do the book again. Um, I am thinking about writing another one and been bouncing around some ideas um, but nothing is formulated yet and I've been talking with Jess about kind of outlining that and what that'll look like in the future I don't think it'll be a memoir the way this one was Okay. Um, maybe more of you know these are the important things you need to have in your life you know, we talked about an idea of like all different C words like community, commitment, um, and kind of looking at like, chocolate. Let's chocolate <laughs> on that list. <laughs> it wasn't, but we could put it on the list. Okay. Yeah. Uh, and then I'm also um, currently taking a coaching course with Mark Devine and the Unbeatable Mind Coaching Program because that program has been so much a part of my learning to thrive. And having a coaching certificate really helps me to follow that passion of helping other people gives me a credential and one question about the book or another question about the book rather so when i first started this podcast it was it was called burn the boats and so it Mm -hmm. was talking about i wanted to talk to entrepreneurs and Mm -hmm. i was curious about the inflection point of if they ever quit or how close they got to quitting mm. or techniques and tactics they use to not quit. Mm-hmm. And so writing disempowered, how close did you come to walking away from it? I don't think I ever really did. I just took it on like I took on that 47 year battle of fighting for my self-esteem. I just was not going to quit. I just kept plodding along and plodding along. I think that's one of the reasons why it took me so long. (laughs) Um, I knew I could go really slow. And if that's what it took, that was okay. Because I, I think going that slow kind of prevented me from getting to that contemplating that the cue question. Mm. And I never got there. I avoided it by just being methodical and step by step by step by step. So, yeah. I This has popped into my head. I was listening to a podcast. I'll look it up. But they were talking about <clears throat> end of life. Mm-hmm. And the author, in her research and her work, she had realized that there was an entire infinity before 
she was born and lived where mm-hmm. she didn't exist. Right. And there's this blip in the radar mm-hmm. and then there'll be another infinity, infinity. where she doesn't exist. Sure. And so, but as you're talking about being methodical and plotting, there's been a whole infinity where your book didn't exist. Mm-hmm. And so if it was another couple of months, a couple of years, 10 years, then that's fine too. Mm-hmm. So in the grand scheme of things, doesn't really matter. Right. <laughs> Note for the listeners, our, uh, our, our, our uh, podcast studio uh, meat smoking <laughs> kitchen, kitchen is in full effect. It smells really good. <laughs> it does. Oh man, I've had dogs drink water. I've had. Um, <laughs> this is great. That's funny. <laughs> well, you know, one of the things that Jessica shares when she speaks is, you know, from her experience of surviving being kidnapped, is that things take the time they need. Right. Which I have to sometimes remind myself. I think we probably all need to remind ourselves because things don't necessarily move at the pace that we want them to move at. Silly humans trying to (laughs) (laughs) inflict our will on Uh, nature and physics. The universe, yeah, exactly. (laughs) Exactly. That's true. Like, yeah, it takes 365 days to go around around the sun. Yeah. If you believe that sort of thing. Right. (laughs) (laughs) Unless you're part of the Flat Earth Society, right? <laughs> oh my gosh, that's funny. Um, this has been absolutely wonderful, and I'm I'm so excited to read that and to see it here on the table. Yeah, and it's uh, real. I can hold it in my hands. I know. Do you still look at that sometimes, and are just? I, I'm used to it now. Yeah. But when the first copy, so what they do is they do two copies, and that's it. One goes to the publisher, one goes to the author. And then that's a chance to read through it and just make sure the pages are numbered correctly, you know, just all Mm. the final details. And I had just come home from skiing, and the Amazon package was right there on my doorstep. And I picked it up, and I opened it, and I just said, oh, my God. This shit's real. This is real. It's in my hands. And I took a picture of it with my, you know, so you could see my hands, and I just started texting it to... All my friends, I'm like, it's here, it's here, it's real. So at this point, I'm pretty used to it. I have a box of them in my closet. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's been it's been wonderful to get to know you, and I encourage the listeners to go back and listen to our first episode, yeah. and definitely read the book because uh, you've been. It's been great to know you and watch this journey, yeah, and understanding. I think from. Uh, uh, the connection that maybe few people have with you, but just to see this sitting right here. And uh, it, it definitely inspires me as well because just the perseverance and resilience that you have demonstrated to get to this point is um, phenomenal. Thank you. It's been an incredible journey. As hard as it's been and as painful as it's been, I am grateful for it. And I look forward to see what comes next. So I'll post uh, links to all this, but where can people get a copy of this and sure. find book signings and yeah. your speaking events? So um, I have a book signing coming up on September 9th 
4.30 at the Art Social, which is in just off of Santa Fe Street in the Arts District of Denver. Um, my website is ellenbush.com. And don't forget the C. It's Bush like the beer, not like the president. <laughs> Family joke that everybody gets. Thank you, Anheuser-Busch. should be holding a marketing. bush on the cover. It is, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and then um, I'm on Amazon. Cool. Barnesandnoble.com. Uh, and LinkedIn, Facebook. So if people want to connect, please reach out. I'm always happy to talk with people about writing, about coaching, about my experience. I'm looking for more places to tell my story. So speaking opportunities, workshops, even B&I groups, anybody who, I, who will listen, I'm happy to talk to. Awesome. Well, Ellen, so great to see you again. It's and great to see you too. Yeah, thanks for while. your patience. Yeah, yeah. No worries. <laughs> We're all busy. That's right. <laughs> nice job. Episodes of this podcast are produced by me, Matt Sodnikar. Big thanks to Cole Weinman for the engineering of the intro. And thanks to Randy Weafe for Retro Funk, our theme music. And hey, I've got two requests for you. If you like this show, please share it with somebody, either through Apple Podcasts or Spotify, and show them how to listen to a podcast if they've never done it. And I know you know somebody out there that would be a fantastic guest and please shoot me a note on instagram at the matt sodcast and let's talk to them thanks a lot talk to you soon